Matt Valley, welcome to episode number 81 of the Rock and Roll Research Podcast, where we share the super cool backstories and side gigs of the research and insights pros that you trust. Now, we've had guests before who have articulated the link between research and music. People like uh, Mark Lowney and Leona Nodge and Elizabeth Salisbury, Ben Depke, Adam Conley, and others come to mind. But today's guest really integrates the two in some really creative, fun, and powerful ways. So Daniel Burkle is the SVP of research at the Palmerston Group, based in Toronto, Canada, where he's been for the past, oh, 14 years or so. That's a good run. <laughs> and uh, what's interesting about Daniel is he, he toyed with the idea of a career in the music industry. Uh, before settling on a start in advertising. Um, so he has worked on some of the coolest projects ever, much cooler than you and I typically work on. Uh, research has taken him all over the world. So I'm super excited to dig into all that and more on today's podcast. So welcome to the show, Daniel. Thank you so much. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I hope you're doing well. Obviously, I'm festive here, uh, filming this around the holidays. My wife has uh, started to put up the decorations. So here you go. Up here is a picture of me in high school. <laughs> Back in my hair days, by the way. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So, um, yes, yeah, so, uh, for those of you listening to the podcast, um, there's a, it looks different. Let's just say that. <laughs> I, I don't want to explain it better than that. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, uh, I am very excited to, to dig into this. Uh, you've got some really fascinating perspectives on uh, on the integration of music and research. So let's uh, let's start here. So so tell us a little bit about your career journey, uh, how you ultimately found your way to research, and a bit about what you're doing now. Cool. Uh, so uh, in school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I don't think many of us do in this business. Yes. Um, I went into psychology. Uh, I ended up going to grad school for advertising because it felt like a good area to be in. I like being creative, but I kind of chose where I went to school based on the music scene in the cities where, uh, where, where I was going. So I, I was always into music. I played in bands. I DJed a bit. And I went to school in Montreal for a while, and then I chose to go to grad school in Austin because it's ah, this incredible music market, right? That would be Austin, Texas, not Austin, Minnesota, right? That Austin, Minnesota, <laughs> I'm sure has good music as well. Um, they do. Yeah, They've uh, got a heritage there. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, well, exactly. It's Austin, Texas, and like it was a wonderful place to go to school. The program was incredible. I went into advertising. I learned about planning and strategy. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. But during my internship search, I, I had looked up uh, for my thesis, uh, a company in Los Angeles that, that did music supervision. And I was very interested okay. in that. And they offered me an internship and I was like, cool. And so I moved to LA for a while and I, I worked in music and that was my dream. I always wanted to work in music. Um, but when I started working in music, I realized I didn't like it quite as much as I thought I would. And I think when ah. you love something that much, um, you um, you get blinded by uh, your love of the topic as opposed to 
one sure. thing in my life. So I went back to advertising, ended up building a career in advertising. But the question was, how did I get into research? Right. And I, I had a recruiter call me one day and say, Daniel, I have a, a job for you, a potential job. And I'm like, I'm happy in advertising. I don't want a job. And she said, you know what? Take this interview. You owe me a favor. Just trust me. I go to the interview. It's at a research company. And I'm like, okay. I don't work in research. I'm a cool advertising person. I don't want to work in like <laughs> market research. <laughs> I asked them, I said, if I take this job, why should I work here? And they said to me, if you work, in, if you work with us, uh, you'll get a chance to travel the U.S. and travel the world. And I had never really traveled that much before. And I was really interested in that piece of it. Um, sure. And so and my rock star dreams of traveling around doing uh, <laughs> concert tours kind of came to mind. And so I took the jump and I went into qualitative research, became a moderator. And that was like half a lifetime ago, but I've been doing that since. And I, we can talk in a number of angles about why I like it so much, but that's kind of my route into the business. Yeah, yeah, that's really fascinating. So I'm always curious to know, like I, I can see it, right? I can see why somebody who has a background in advertising would make a good researcher. Um, but what was it about you that they said, yeah, we really want this guy on board? Uh, yeah, I, it's hard for me to put words in their mouth. I mean, but I I, I think of things in a very uh, different way. I think, it, I think that is the music element of it. I think that I think of things in terms of uh, segments of songs or in melodies or in rhythms. And right. I, I actually think that part of it is really interesting in the qual space um, because qual is kind of uh, a set amount of time, a set amount of bars. And yeah, I, I think that that language works very well, but I, I'm just putting my own thoughts into what their thoughts were. Maybe sure. they just thought it was nice. I don't have a clue. Yeah, so, so tell us a little bit about the Palmerston Group and the kinds of things you work on now. Uh, cool. Uh, we work on the, I, I, I don't say this lightly, we work on the coolest things in the world. Um, yeah. Like, we're, we're a boutique call shop. We only work in call. We do lots of ethnography. Before the pandemic, I used to tell friends that I travel the world and talk to strangers. It's kind of uh -huh. um, <laughs> The pandemic made it a bit more zooming, uh, but th that's starting to change now. But every day is a different thing. So like today, for example, today is, uh, what day is Thursday. I'm working on a telecommunications project, doing a World Cup thing later on this week. Oh. Client doing a project next week on a uh, an art collective. Uh, we do different things every day. And cool. I like that channel. And it's just like when you're... Uh, it, it's like a playlist almost, right? Yeah. Uh, and you're not really sure what tracks will come next and what 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 you'll like about that track. But uh, I, I geek out over this stuff. And, and yeah. I know you do too. I've heard your podcast before. And, <laughs> um, um, and I, I think that's why I, I'm really enthusiastic about being here because I feel that like, even though we don't know each other well, uh, I feel you're my people. And I feel yeah. that this is kind of like my people. Yeah, right on, right on. So I'm kind of curious. Um, so coolest, coolest projects uh, in the world. Um, give us an example of of one maybe that's like super memorable for you that was really fun or really unique or. 
Well, so, so uh, there are a number of, pro most projects we work, we work on, I can't talk about it in detail because of confidentiality, sure. but a number have been published and a number have been awarded. And like things that uh, make me very proud. Uh, years ago, we did a project for uh, a client in the convenience store space. And so okay. instead of going to interview people about convenience stores, which doesn't really tell you much because people can't remember or they go in at weird hours, uh, we decided that myself and some of my colleagues would get jobs working at convenience stores. <laughs> um, and so I literally worked behind the counter, a 24-hour convenience store uh, in Nevada, <laughs> in Washington State, in Iowa. And uh, we learned about the environment from that perspective. That yeah. project love. Uh, we've done projects for uh, one of our clients uh, was Cirque du Soleil. We did projects for them uh, involving guests going to Las Vegas and how they perceive the environment. But it's difficult to study a person in Las Vegas because they don't remember, they might be intoxicated, they yeah. don't want to be researched. And so we, we designed a methodology around in limo arrival interviews and meeting up with them at weird times and having them test yeah. out uh, over a 72 hour period. And we called that Project 72. That one I like too. Um, I have quite a number of really interesting kind of, <laughs> I'm a good dinner party guest, put it that way. <laughs> I guess so. I love that idea of getting a job at a convenience store. Um, so do you get to double dip then? So you get your salary at the convenience store and then obviously you get you get paid by the client. I mean, it's, it's perfect. Uh, so <laughs> you, I, I guess you could, we didn't double dip. We ended up, we ended up putting our jobs at the convenience yeah. store before we got paid, but and we didn't take any money from them. Um, but regard, you, I guess you could. I mean, what I, like about, but what I like about this business, what I like about Qual especially, and what I like about innovative Qual is that there really are no rules. I mean, yeah. yes, bread and butter is focus groups and interviews, but you can always change elements on where things yeah. are. You can add creativity. You can add your own kind of personality and your own taste to things. And that's where I think uh, the music background really served me well. Um, yeah. Because I like making sure things don't always feel the same and make sure things have a movement to them and uh, a, a crescendo and, and so yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. You know, my, my training in, in research was, was very much quant. Uh, but over the course of my career, I've just really grown to have a deep appreciation for qual. And that like you said, that's where the creativity comes from. I love talking to qual researchers about how they would approach things because they've got so many design ideas that uh, that are different, you know, that are outside the box and, you know, totally things you wouldn't necessarily think of, so. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I can bounce that back to you and say that, like, what I find interesting about research is that everyone does think of things in different ways. And yeah. some of the creative folks I've worked with have been quant people who have uh, built really smart design things and really yeah. smart engineers. And um, I, just like in an orchestra, just like in a band, you need a good bass player, you need a good drum player, you need um, you need a whole bunch of elements to make a really good band. And yep. I think the way research works. Uh, so, yeah. and it's not my place to say what role in that band I play. I'm not always the lead singer. Uh, yeah. I can. I'm very rarely the lead singer, actually. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so let's uh, 
Let's talk a little bit more about music. So uh, you grew up playing, said you played in bands, did some DJing. Tell us a little bit about where that came from and the kinds of stuff you were playing back then. Yeah, no, I, I DJed poorly, but I, I played, uh, I, I'm a piano player originally, right? So I, um, I played piano growing up, uh, ended up playing in bands, playing some guitar too, because it looked cooler, I think. Um, <laughs> you didn't play the guitar, did you? I didn't, but I wish I did. Like uh, in old cartoons, like in Gem and the Holograms, I loved the guitar player. I thought she was so. Yeah. Like, it's retro cool now. <laughs> yeah, desirable. Um, but like, no, I, I, was, I played in lots of bands, mainly to make friends and hang out. And, and, uh, and I liked performing. And again, as I grew older, uh, when I got to around 20, I was at a decent level. I could play. Uh, I could hold my own. And where I was at, like in, in the world, I, I could play at a club and, uh, and get people cheering and that was cool. But when you get to a certain level, you also realize that everyone else at that level is really good too. And right. that's not, it's not about uh, your skill level as much as it is about luck or about yeah. or about where uh, it, it really can be chance. And that can be a really, that's probably the reason why I didn't go into music. Uh, yeah, that, and, and I think there are money elements also. I, I think the uh, <laughs> yes, like, that's for sure. <laughs> although I think Lady Gaga lives very well, um, I, and Taylor Swift probably lives well as well. I, I don't know if every musician has this st steady income of a research person. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's a riskier proposition for sure, for sure. Yeah, and risk leads to bigger rewards, and and. But I don't know, I, I think the, uh, the the real reason why I didn't go into music as a career is because I got to a level where everyone around me was really quite talented. And right. I felt that I wasn't as good as everyone else. And when I moved to LA and moved to Austin, especially, yeah. um, those were places where the scene is so good. Um, yeah. In Austin, like the quality musician there is incredible. Yeah. Um, and in LA, like the best musicians in the world moved there to make music. And yep. here I am, like some stupid kid from Canada. I can't play that. <laughs> um, and, and so, I, I don't know, like you learn your lane. You, I, I see you smiling, like you totally get it as well, right? Like, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I get it on both sides. Um, so, so when we talked before, you you shared some thoughts on how you integrate uh, some of the thinking that comes from music into how you approach research. I'd love to hear a little bit more about about that and some of some of what you borrow uh, that you apply. Yeah, I, I borrow lots of different elements, and like I do them mainly because, as I said before, I geek out over this stuff. Like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a music kid to the core, and so I say kid, and I'm like I'm middle-aged human but um <laughs> I, a, I i feel that way i feel the same way i felt when i was like a teenager listening to music and so yeah. um i can identify that, with that for sure <laughs> yeah like everything from logo design when we put together presentations i try to make them look like rock t-shirts um yeah or, or like my, some of my favorite logos and things um when i'm designing qualitative uh especially before pandemic when we did like um multiple stop kind of in-person tours i would design them as tours i, I would have like so cool. riders for the facilities um, <laughs> That's and, awesome. 
I, I would go on like some of the websites, find like old tour writers and make requests of what to put in the back room and why. Um, we would craft gear for specific clients. Um, yeah. I, I think that's a smart way of working because it makes it more fun too. Yeah. If you have fun in your work and if you really enjoy it and you get the passion for it, then the product turns out better as well. Um, Definitely. We, name, we name projects after albums. I remember doing a project once where I named every part of the project after a Radiohead album. So there was like <laughs> phase, there was the... Uh, the amnesiac phase, the Ben's phase. Like, there are various phases. <laughs> they all matched in my head to how I felt the kind of elements of that project were going. Um, yeah. A lot of this is just kind of games to make myself or my team more interested. Sure. That works. Um, I also think that in, in a discussion guide, you, you can plan out the, the rhythm of things. You can make sure that ha things have moments of tension and moments of uh, release and yeah I, I don't know I, I think of a lot of these kind of elements in the way that I approach uh, the most kind of basic task of my job as a quality um, because it makes it more fun but also because if I understand it in that sense I can really give myself into it and I can make it turn into a, something at the end that I'm proud of yeah yeah, yeah, I'd love to work on some of those projects. So <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, well, we can talk. Like, I, I'm, I'm using like the, the cool kind of uh, uh, the, the, the sizzly things as, as bait to get you more excited. But like, yeah. often we work on projects for the CPG companies and, um, and we still try to infuse really neat elements to make everyone more engaged, more excited. And yeah. uh, even the way you walk into a focus group and say hello to a new city, like think about a person on stage saying like, hello, Columbus. Yeah. Like, uh, and you, you call out like one or two things about that town. That's kind yeah. of the way I approach things when I walk into a moderation session. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's really cool. Uh, and that costs nothing, right? That's costs nothing. Yeah. Excellent. Cool. So, uh, so I'm really interested to know, um, given you know the diversity of kinds of projects that you've worked on and you know the uh you know the ability to to sort of stretch your thinking uh as you think more broadly about you know what's going to be important in the future of research you know what that looks like what comes to mind for you so i don't have a crystal ball you don't have a crystal ball it's hard to explain what's going to happen later on down the road but from my angle, I see kind of two things really popping out. One is that clients are getting, uh, our clients at least, seem to be getting sick of like the PowerPoint deck report, like the yeah. five to 50 <clears throat> page report. Um, so they either want things that are really short and succinct, like yeah. you know the one page kind of summary or the one moment summary. But the other element of it, and that's for the physical report, we've seen a lot of clients uh, want things more touchy-feely that really showcase the work you're doing. So we've put together podcast reports for clients who are busy. Yeah. They are too busy to like read something. And they, so on their drive into work or on the train in from Westchester, they can like listen to a, a, you know, a, a quick summary with people talking in their own voices. Yeah, um, We've seen a lot of video elements uh, be requested. 
So I think there's two two routes. One's the more touchy feely. One's the more quick. That's yeah. how I I see things from the qual angle. But I don't have a crystal ball at all. Yeah, yeah. You know that uh, that really seems to uh, to parallel the way that people consume information now. Right? It used to be, hey, everything is pre pre predominantly long form, where you're reading books. You know, that's how you learn. Uh, but now there are so many more options of snippets where you're, you know, getting little bits here and there. You're just experiencing and learning in a different way. And it seems to to fit with that. Well, totally. If you're going on that route, actually, I mean, I see a huge area of walls specifically um, where right now we're talking to our consumers in long form. We're talking to them in like the, the hour and a half or right. hour interviews or groups. But we've had a lot of success with 10-minute interviews because our our, consum not consumers, our audiences, like the people we're talking to, participants, they're all on TikTok all day. They're all uh, right. consuming short-form content. So why should we not speak in that language? So we've had sure. a lot of success running these 10-minute interviews, just bang, 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 three questions, put it on video, put it into the script or some kind of editor and make it really tight and present it back to the client, we can do those in a day. And then yeah. the client likes it too, because it's short form. So I think speaking the language of your audience, your participants, your clients, and really being attuned to that and making sure that the work you're doing evolves uh, is just smart business. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I can see that it doesn't work for everything, right? Some things you really need to dig deep into, but, but certainly for you know some questions, it makes a lot of sense. Totally. Yeah, cool. All right, so so we started touching on media there. Uh, so curious to know uh, what kind of media you consume. You know, for inspiration, insight, enjoyment. What what's in your uh, world? It's it's funny. I'd love to pretend that I read lots of books. I don't. Um, <laughs> I, and like it would be pretending. And people ask you what you're what are you reading. I, I read lots of short form things. I read loads sure. of like magazine type articles. I read sure. loads of blogs. Um, the internet's a constant stream. I'm on TikTok pretty much all day, like everyone else in the world now. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, re I'm seeing quick things come back. And I love the way that engine really kind of fits your personality eventually and gives you things that you want. Um, but I, I've been watching. Like in the last year, I've been watching all these old TV shows that I, when I say old, I don't mean very old, but shows that people say were very good that I, I missed. So I ended up yeah. watching, like right now we're watching The Americans, which I never saw. And like, it's great. Uh, or Six Feet Under we watched. And I yeah. love that. Um, I've gotten really deep into sports I never thought I'd like. So like F1, <laughs> I, started, yeah. I started watching with Madness, went to a bunch of races and um, that, I, I think that always just being open to new experiences, that's kind of the way I look at the world. And so sure. there's not a single thing that's really um, an influence of sorts. It's just always being consuming and always being open. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can sort of see a parallel there between, you know, how you consume media, what you consume, and how you approach research and uh, how yeah, you think I, about that. I think also my attention span is like a small animal, right? Like I, I don't <laughs> have the ability to, um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I'm very good at what I do, but I think part of that is the fact that I'm really fast and I really kind of bounce, right. bounce, bounce. And 
that seems to have worked out well. Cool. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, this is a question I really want to know, right, Daniel? So uh, this is one I, I hope you have thought about because otherwise this could be a really long episode. But uh, so let's say you find yourself stranded on a desert island, right? Stranded on a desert island. You have three records of your choosing to keep you company for the rest of your days of your choosing. What are those records? Okay, so a desert island, I probably would never be stuck on, but if I was, you uh, are, you are. I was. That's the given. Yeah, so I mean, I'd like to kind of think in my head that I'd want to get something really aggressive, like a tool album, but um, like Tools Enemo get really high on that list. Um, But I actually think it goes in a different direction. I think that for me, it'd be Ryan Adams. Uh, It's hard to pick one album, but like, is that Ryan Adams or Brian Adams with a B? Ryan, R-Y-A-N, like. Okay, um, now I was I was thinking, you know, he's Canadian, so Brian Adams, you know, there's the kind of. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. I, no, no, uh, no derision towards Brian Adams, but I think Ryan Adams is an incredible super genius. Awesome. Um, and like his 29 <laughs> album I love. Uh, I like, uh, I love Depeche Mode's Violator. That's a Oh, yeah, very nice, yeah. It's like a rock album with synths, which I really like. Yeah. Um, that's three, but I mean, I also like kind of weird, geeky Canadian pop. Like there was an artist, uh, Gowan from like the 80s. You okay. Gowan? I don't. So Gowan ended up getting a second career as the lead singer of Styx. Oh, um, interesting. <laughs> um, but he had like a career before that and like he had huge hair and like he was flamboyant <laughs> and interesting and I like him cool not cool but it's, it's what it is <laughs> well it's a new one for me to check out so always love to hear that strange animal that's the album that I would check out okay okay cool now did you I just want to confirm uh did you say tool as your number one choice I think tool would be my number one choice yeah tool okay okay got it that's uh, that's actually the first I'm kind of surprised. 81 episodes, it's the first mention of Tool, considering how diehard a lot of Tool fans are. I, I'm not a diehard Tool fan, but they have the best drummer in the business. They're yeah, absolutely. Um, they're melodic, <laughs> they're aggressive, they're they're interesting, yeah. they're different, they're visual. Yeah, yeah, cool. Awesome, great choices, really fun. Uh, loved this conversation. Uh, really uh, appreciate and enjoy your perspective. And the the tying of of research and uh, music into to one big bundle. So uh, that's that's definitely speaking to me. So I appreciate that. Um, so hey, Daniel, it's great to meet you. Uh, let's definitely stay in touch and rock and roll. Because cheers. <laughs>